Hello and welcome to this episode of the Forget What You Think You Know podcast. I'm Sophie, a digital campaigns and marketing advisor at the Local Government Association. In this episode, I want to learn more about the role of a councillor and bring to life what councillors do for their local community. In England, there are 333 councils, helping to provide more than 800 different services to local communities. Everyone in the country is represented by a councillor, but not everyone will know the full extent of the role and what they do on a daily basis to serve their communities. I want to explore whether certain perceptions about the role of a councillor ring true. I'll be talking with councillors from across the country who are juggling university work, full-time jobs and motherhood to discover what it takes to become a councillor. Plus, as we approach the local elections, which are taking place across the country on the 5th of May, I'll explore why it's important to use your voice and vote. It's time to forget what you think you know about councillors. I start my journey by speaking to the Liberal Democrat councillor for Newnham and leader of Cambridgeshire County Council, Lucy Nasingha, to hear how she started out in the role as a new mother who just wanted to be part of adult conversations to now leading a council alliance of Liberal Democrats, Labour and independent councillors. I'd love to find out a bit more about what inspired you to become a councillor. I believe that you used to be a member of the European Parliament, is that right? So I was a councillor long before I was a member of the European Parliament, in fact, Um, and I got involved in politics when I was very young um, in the town in which I grew up. But but after I moved away to a different place, um, I got first got elected as a councillor after I um, when I was being a mostly a stay at home mum with a couple of small children, and I really wanted to spend some time with grown ups, <laughs> doing doing grown up things, not just doing things with children. Um, and actually, that so so that was what got me involved in the first place. I've always been really interested in the community in which I live um, and being a councillor and, and also interested in politics. But but it's um, it's the community side of being a councillor that I've enjoyed for over 20 years. And yeah, so you obviously came back to it. So you you loved it so much to to come back and return to, to the role. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my time as a Europe, uh, member of the European Parliament was comparatively short because it was um, kind of during the Brexit period. Um, there were things about it that I would abs- that I absolutely loved and would go and do again. But one of the differences is the the ability to really make a difference in the place that you live is g- almost greater as a councillor than as kind of being more distant in a parliament of something as large as Europe. <laughs> so for those listening who are who are completely new to to local government, can you tell me a bit about what a councillor does day to day and kind of building on what, you know your last point about what. Uh, how decisions are made. So, I mean, there are things that people always want you to do, like reporting potholes and streetlights and making sure that stuff gets fixed, uh, which often in a community people really care about. I mean, actually, potholes can be very dangerous. Um, uh, streetlights that are out make a difference to how safe people feel moving around and getting things like graffiti or fly tipping cleared up, all of those sorts of things make people feel that their community is somewhere... Uh, that people care about and that um, where where the institutions and the council are responsive. And so being a councillor, um, you do get the opportunity to do that. 
Um, some of the other things I managed to do as a backbench councillor were getting new cycle routes put in and making sure that when they were putting new cycle routes in, they had um, drop curbs in the right places and that there were um, sort of sensible places for people to cross near schools, all sorts of things like that. So, so relatively local and small, but nevertheless having a significant impact on people's lives. Um, these days I'm the leader of a council and then you get to make rather bigger decisions and um, some of the some of those have been really significant this year so so the one I'm probably the most proud of over the last six months is managing to keep our free school meals program going um, all over this winter uh, at the full voucher rate and we're going to be able to do that this coming year as well which means that families with children on really low incomes will get a significant increase um, during the school holidays, which is often a really difficult time for those families financially. So um, that's something that we've been able to make a decision on and which will actually make us a really major impact on some of the most vulnerable families in our area. Um, and the other one is tackling climate change, which is um, really urgent. And councils, I think, have a huge role to play in helping communities to understand how they can move to become net zero, um, which which we need to do over the next 10 or 20 years um, in order to have any chance of stopping catastrophic climate change. Um, that kind of leads me on to the next question about um, so obviously after the 2021 elections you now lead an alliance of Liberal Democrats, Labour and the Independents. How important do you think cross-party working is for local government and are there any learnings do you think that the public could take from this? So I think cross-party working is really important in local government and I think it always has been. Um, our administration is a joint cross-party administration and I have to say I'm really enjoying working with members from all the different parties um, in that alliance. It's fantastic. Um, but actually, uh, previously, when I was um, leader of the opposition in Cambridgeshire with a Conservative administration and when I was a backbench councillor, cross-party working has always been really important because however much there is um, the sort of um, political grandstanding that you have to do to, to a certain extent, most of the day-to-day -day working about in councils is about delivering good things for communities and actually that's not something which is largely party political. It's often about working out what the best answer is within a very constrained financial envelope for this place or that particular project. And, and so much of that has always been cross-party working, I think. Um, it's clearly something that I do a lot of in my role now, but it's always been an in more, a very important part of being a councillor. That's really interesting. I'm sure the general public aren't so aware, actually, of how closely councillors can work together as different parties. Do you think there are any other misconceptions about the role that the public might have? Uh, it's difficult to know because I think people have different <laughs> perceptions of being a councillor. I think one of the things it's important to say to encourage people to feel that they might be able to do it is that it's not completely unpaid. Um, it doesn't pay very well, but you are compensated for the time that you put into it. And, and that is some places are much better than others. And it does depend on your role and how much time you can put in. Um, but I think in terms of encouraging people to to consider it, it's worth remembering. I mean, when I first started uh, as a councillor, I 
was doing it sort of as a a very small part-time job while I was looking after doing my um being a, being a mum and it enabled me to have um a couple of mornings a week where my son went into nursery and I did grown-up things <laughs> um and and there were also um mechanisms to pay for childcare in, in for some of that time which is which is really helpful um there are far too many people who look quite similar there are quite a lot of retired people being counselors it shouldn't all be retired people and actually it's it's for me it's been a really brilliant um sort of way of um developing a, a secondary career while i was bringing up my children um and i'd love to encourage more people to think about it in that way as we heard from Councillor Nasingha, being a counsellor can be seen as a secondary career, something which you can do alongside your everyday job and motherhood. We need more people of all ages considering the role to ensure every voice is represented in local politics. I spoke with Hertfordshire County Council's youngest councillor at age 20, Tina Bartwas, who is the Labour councillor for Letchworth North and someone who wanted to speak up for the young people in her community. I wanted to find out why she thinks young people's voices are so important in local politics and how her life experiences have motivated her to become a councillor. Letchworth is my hometown, it's where I've grown up, but I would say it's really taken the community to raise me. I went through a lot of adverse experiences growing up and it's given me a real sense of community. There's so much to do here. We have food and drink festivals we have an art gallery we have green spaces like literally five minutes from the station um is that part of the reason then that you wanted to become a counsellor what what was your kind of inspiration to, to getting involved in in the role so i wanted to become a local counsellor for a variety of reasons um as i said um having adverse experiences so growing up in poverty, experiencing domestic abuse, having a period of homelessness as a young person. Um, those were really motivating factors for why I wanted to do it now. Um, but I'd also seen the community through so many different lenses. Like I said, we've got all of these events and groups and I've been involved in the community in a variety of ways. Um, so I campaigned against education cuts at a time when schools were really struggling to stay open. I've coordinated the youth wings of climate groups and seen how important the youth voice is to creating really vital change. What would you say is a typical kind of week like for you in, in the role? Um, so it's really varied. It's I find it a unique experience balancing it with university and all of the other things I've already mentioned I'm involved in. Um, but I talk about that balancing it with university a lot as a young person because prior to becoming a counsellor there wasn't a lot on that that I could find. Um, I wasn't really sure how it would fit in with the lifestyle that I have and so I think actually sharing that experience and saying you know it can be done I commute from Hertfordshire into London and I can be in university up to five days a week and with their help and support it is something that 
really works. So you mentioned university there. So um, and I believe you're Hertfordshire County Council's youngest councillor. Um, what kind of challenges and opportunities do you think that you face as a young person working uh, in local politics? So as the youngest councillor on Hertfordshire County Council, I think there's a number of different kind of experiences which I'll go through. Um, I think that young people bring a really unique voice and a different way of doing things because I think that help set the scene for the challenges that I face. Um, it's a real challenge without young people's voices to actually tackle the issues that young people in the communities face and to actually engage young people. Um, and as a young councillor, I feel quite often I'm one of very few advocates for young people or you know, perhaps like I'll be the most, I'll be the person in the room who's got the most recent experience of the education system, for example. And I think that's a lens that we do need to bring into political decision making. Completely. So you're representing the young people in your area, but also hopefully encouraging others to consider the role. How did you first find out about what a councillor actually does? So when I was much younger um, I didn't actually know that councillors were politicians I didn't know they were party political or um, really elected um, but what I did know were they were people in the community you could go to who can help and I knew that because I was my mum's carer she had a number of disabilities and quite often we really needed that help and quite frankly, in a lot of cases, struggled to get it. So I think that kind of depth of disappointment at a young age made me want to do something like it. But I didn't, even when I came to understanding how it works, I didn't necessarily think someone like me could do that. Kind of drawing on on like that decision-making element of the role, how would you say that you make decisions on behalf of your local community and kind of represent your your residents? Can you give us an example? Yeah, absolutely. So the most important thing to me is to be taking the views of residents on board. Um, and as I said, as I alluded to, um, I think cooperation and collaboration need to be at the heart of that and I wanted to represent the community that I live in and that I've always lived in for that reason and I think again with actually making decisions on behalf of your local community and representing residents like that's my priority above party political stuff and I mean the best example of this is going to be we had a crossing in my local area in front of the school um, it's been campaigned on for years I've been involved for a long time um, it's around the corner from where I live and it's once again been delayed and it's one of those kind of hyper localized issues but it would make such a big difference and being able to bring that up in you know, a variety of different rooms and say, this is what local people think, um, this is what we want to see, I understand the impact, being able to communicate what's going on at the council back, I 
don't want to be somebody who's sort of the council's representative in the community but actually be the community's representative at the council and that's what's so vital about being a councillor. I really like that that's such a nice way of, of kind of framing it um, and you touched on obviously that you do engage with your residents you do speak to the public about things that matter to them but that you know that a lot of the time public do find it kind of hard to understand and engage with local government how do you think we can challenge this and get more people interested in the role? A big thing in kind of understanding is that political education so I didn't know councillors were elected I didn't necessarily know what they did and I think having that understanding of the ways in which local government really touches every part of people's lives it's so so important and in terms of representation I think I wanted to be the kind of councillor that reaches out to those traditionally hard to reach communities and it matters so much to me personally um, being a member of that community and I think really reaching out to people where they are and bringing them in including them we're not going to see the kind of representation or change that we need um, if we don't have diversity at every level because diversity equates to more dynamic decision making um, and that's a really positive thing so we need to see that representation of young people at every level of government and other diverse characteristics as well. Going back to what I said about minoritized communities I'm the second openly asexual counsellor in the country and I think that is something it really means so much for people from the LGBTQIA plus community to see that and to see somebody openly doing that and being proud of themselves for it. Tina's point about the importance of representation and diversity is such an important one. Anyone, regardless of their background or political affiliation, should feel empowered to become a counsellor. One of the stereotypes of being a counsellor is that you have to dedicate a lot of time to your role. Whilst it obviously depends on your seniority within the council, it is possible to be a counsellor alongside a paid full-time job. It's also possible to be a counsellor and not belong to one of the main political parties and instead stand for election as an independent. I caught up with councillor Luke Giles, an independent residence association councillor for Epsom Town who works in the theatre industry to understand how he juggles competing priorities and to learn more about why he became an independent councillor. So welcome to the podcast Luke. Can you start by telling me a bit about what inspired you to become a councillor? My family have always been engaged in Epsom annual and you know my, my granddad when he was when he was with us he, he was he a nut about the history of Epsom and Yule and he's been there for years and really got involved in everything to do with it um, and he, through that and being engaged in, in, in local politics he found the Residents Association and was involved in the Residents Association for years helping them leaflet and all that kind of stuff and had lots of friends in the Residents Association um, so he was quite a you know he was a driver in that in that kind of um, 
residentization mindset and all that kind of stuff, the independent mindset and the you know residence first kind of view of, of view of um, our our local landscape. So you've mentioned uh, the residence association there. Um, so that's obviously you're not part of kind of the main political parties. Can you tell me mm. a bit more about the process of of standing for election as an independent councillor? It's just independent. It's an independent network of councillors, essentially. So we, we've got no uh, no party whip. No one's telling us how to vote. It's it's just residents first thinking about what residents needs. You know, close ties into the community. You know, there is another way than joining a party. You can run independently. You can represent the views of your residents and not have to think about anyone else that might have a political agenda. The independent voices aren't necessarily the the the, uh, the minority. You know, voices knowing that independent. Knowing that independence can work and it can have a, you know, it can last for 80 years and it can be a, you know, an amazing force for change for for, for local residents. It's just so important, you know. I, I think certainly in local politics, independents are completely underrepresented. Um, there's some amazing people out there doing some amazing work. I think for me, it really makes residents the heart of the matter, and not necessarily the politics of the person. It's the residents and how they represented residents is what that really matters, um, and. You know, I kind of think that's what it should be all about, really. How did you find out about how to actually stand? So I, I just I, I got in touch with uh, a councillor from my ward and just you know, sort of had a chat with him. I've known him for a couple of years before we stood, and I just had a chat with him and just sort of asked how how I could stand and how I could make a difference. And and, and it was quite an easy process. I mean, as soon as they saw someone young walk in it was kind of like oh great fantastic we'll, we'll take you please um i think they were I, they have been very open with me and they really needed young people to step forward and they really wanted young voices you know they wanted a diverse representation of of epson and that's something that we're looking at for the next upcoming elections um but yeah so it was i just got in touch with my local local group and just said you know how, how can i how can i get involved um, and I joined the committee and, 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 and yeah, and then I stood. So you carry out your role, your councillor role alongside a job. Can you tell me a bit more about what you do? Yeah, I work in theatre. So I, I work in, uh, I work in, um, yeah, national theatre. I work touring around the country and, and going to different places and, and doing lots and lots of different shows. Um, it's, it's, it's great fun. It sometimes takes me away from Epsom, which is, you know, a bit difficult, but, um, you know, Thank you to the 21st century. We can still be in touch. You know, I'm through Teams and I carry out a lot of my council meetings through Teams and <clears throat> through email and, and, you know, I can stay engaged in everything that's going on at Epsom. So, yeah, how do you kind of juggle that balance between the councillor role and your, your day job? I mean, it can be hard. I mean, no matter how many times they tell you, uh, you know, this is the commitment, you always... Uh, those that have a desire to, to be a counsellor and desire to have change will spend hours thinking about what they can do and how it can work, you know. So, you know, they may tell you it's going to take 15 hours there and 15 hours there, but really your mind is always switched on about what's going on. You know, either I'm touring around and then we're looking at theatres and stuff and I'm constantly thinking, oh, what could we do in Epsom like this? This is great. This is, you know, walking through middle of, you know, Peterborough High Street going, oh, that's a really good idea. I wish, you know, I'd take a picture of that and make sure, you know, so you're always switched on. It can be quite all-encompassing. So the May elections are approaching. Um, there might be some listeners who haven't voted in a, le- a local election before. Why do you think it's important to? 
I think I think like a lot. I think for a lot of people, they can be quite overwhelmed by those those elections, and you know, like certainly national elections become so all-consuming. You know, you're dealing with these amazingly hypothetical situations of this might happen and this might happen, and if you do this, this this person's going to do this, and all this kind of stuff. When actually, on a local level, it's literally your day-to-day life is affected. These these small things that might you know nationally might like sort of switch you off from voting, really. When it comes to local stuff, you should be switched on even more. You know, it's 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 just so important. It's clear that residents are at the heart of Luke's decision-making process and that he's always thinking about his hometown, even when he's in a different city for his theatre work. My final guest is Councillor Callum Cook, Conservative Councillor for Kazakh and leader of South Kastevan District Council. Callum didn't expect to be elected as a councillor, let alone have visions of becoming the leader of the council, but has embraced and loved the opportunity to represent the area that he grew up in. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Welcome. Um, Could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, what your passions and hobbies are outside of local politics? Uh, I've been a councillor now for amazingly 11 years. So I I got elected back in 2011 when I was uh, 20. And I think I was certainly the the youngest councillor ever elected to to South Kestevan. And uh, I still am the youngest councillor, even though I'm also uh, leader of the council as well. Outside of uh, politics, uh, I do definitely have a life. Um, so uh, one of my passions is I love skiing, uh, cycling. And I think like most people my age, you know, going out for dinner with friends, uh, catching up with friends and, you know, just uh, visiting different places around the UK as well. Obviously, you've got your interests outside of your role as a councillor. But how did you first become involved with local government? Well, that's a really good question. And I think in local government, everybody's journey is so different. So for me, I helped out in the 2010 general election. Um, that was my first uh, involvement with politics, really, because I, I've not studied it. I didn't really do much of it at school, um, but I was sort of interested because ultimately every decision that is taken comes back to politics because it's, you know, if you're not happy with the state of your roads, well, that's a council responsibility. So the 2011 election came around and I offered to deliver some leaflets. Um, and then I was actually persuaded to stand. And I don't mind admitting at the time, you know, I was 20. I hadn't even graduated from uni. I didn't really know what the council did. So um, I also got the promise that it'd be really good for your CV and you won't get elected. Uh, and then ultimately I did stand and I did get elected with a rather large majority. Uh, and I've never looked back, actually. And it's a really varied and interesting role to anybody who wants to stand up for their local area. Do you say that there are kind of stereotypes that maybe your friends and family sort of draw on when you say that you're a councillor? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I first got elected, um, I don't even think my family really understood what it was I was doing. Uh, My friends just thought I was absolutely mad and uh, just assumed that my role would be uh, going around cutting ribbons to new shiny projects um, and sitting in meetings that replicated the sort of the Vicar of Dibley style uh, meetings. And uh, it's a real challenge, actually, to get across what we do, because quite often people will say to you um, about their council tax. Oh, and council tax has gone up. And when you actually then explain well, what that does and where it goes, you have a different type of conversation. Why did you want to become a councillor? Well, you know, what attracted you to to that role and eventually obviously becoming leader of the council? You know, when I did a bit more research into the role of what a councillor does and actually the the level of uh, influence and power you have over your local area, it really interested me in terms of 
some of the challenges we had. So my ward is uh, five rural villages um, just outside of one of our towns called Stamford. Um, and it's a, an amazing community to, to represent because I, you know, I basically grew up there. And the people and the businesses actually in that area, um, I suppose in some ways, I wanted them to be represented better and also to get that investment and funding into our local area. So despite being a rural area, we have some amazing businesses, but they had issues at the time with getting access to broadband, which, you know, 11 years ago, we had significant issues. So by working with others, I managed to improve broadband to the area, um, improve the housing, and also work with other stakeholders, such as the county council, on improving some of our road networks. So for me, it was about representing my area at the district council. And the leader role um, I never thought I would uh, become leader. I can remember my first council meeting where I was as nervous as anything uh, speaking at that meeting. Um, and that stayed for me for quite some time, actually, because it's an organisation with, you know, uh, just under a thousand employees. You know, we've got huge budgets, huge responsibilities. Um, and ultimately, I, I got opportunities from the group leader at the time. So I actually went on the LGA uh, leadership academy which is a, a program designed for councillors that want to do more and gradually I got more involved in the the council operations uh, I joined the cabinet when I was 24 um, I then became deputy leader when I was uh, 26 um, and then ultimately um, the, the leader decided to step down and there was an opportunity for me to either um, put myself forward or I suppose go on the back benches and for me it was an opportunity I, I didn't want to miss and there's no greater honour than than really standing up for the whole of the district. So what would you say is a typical week for you then as a leader of, of the council? I think that is a, a really interesting question and I, and I don't genuinely think there is a, a typical week. I think for anybody interested in getting into local government uh, even as a ward member uh, I think you'll love the variety of tasks that you have to deal with and the variety of opportunities and problems that you have to deal with as well. So for instance, today um, I had a board meeting with uh, our development partners on a site we're regenerating in, in Stamford, which is a 33 acre site with 180 homes. You know, it's a 30 million pound scheme uh, to just being in a, a leisure centre board meeting to discuss the four leisure centres we've got across our district, um, to then later on today discussing with uh, councillors of of all the council about our corporate plan and our priorities moving forward. But also, you know, as much as I'm leader of the council, I still get casework from my local residents about where they potentially have housing issues, uh, where they've got problems with their waste collection, whether they've got problems with education or highways. Um, so I've still got to commit that time as well to make sure that my local residents' needs are met as well. Just thinking about what you're most proud of since, you know, well, doing your work Obviously, I'm sure there's lots of moments, but do you have kind of one or two examples um, which you'd say you're most proud of, which have, you've seen a direct impact in, in your local community that you've been part of? They all, in a way, come out of COVID. So I got elected leader back in uh, the September of 2019. Um, and then, of course, we went into lockdown in the March of 2020. So I didn't really get much time to get out there, meet with the business community, meet with the community groups. Um so one of the positives, if you can draw positives out of COVID, is um, we have some amazing community groups and charities across our district. But one of the things we didn't really do very well was actually uh, work with them and alongside them in a really cohesive way. So when COVID started, we actually set up our, um, and it's called the SK Community Hub, um, 
And we've continued that to date. So we now have much closer relationships with all of the charitable and organisation groups across the district. We're working with them on their needs. Um, they've now got uh, dedicated staff and we will continue to provide that support across the whole of the district. And I think before we worked closely, we sort of had relationships, but now we're really engaged and actually it, it really proves a massive benefit in terms of residents that do come to us in need because we can now signpost and work with those charitable organisations. Um, one of the ways potentially getting people involved and interested in the role is kind of discussing the support that is available for when you become a counsellor. Could you tell us a little bit about what support is out there for people that might be considering the role? Once you are um, elected, and it depends whether you stand as a political party or as an independent. So if you're standing for one of the parties, they all have networks of counsellors that will happily help and support you as a buddy or as a mentor. Um, and also, likewise, with the independents, so there is an independent group at the, the local government association that you can get information from. Uh, I'll use my own experience. So at South Coast Stephen, we really value uh, members training and support. So we have a dedicated member services office. Um, so when you are first elected, we have a comprehensive training uh, programme where you'll meet all of the senior officers of the council. Uh, you'll get training in terms of all the different services and what your role as a councillor is and responsibility. Because I think quite often uh, some people come into this thinking they're going to be running the whole council and that's not necessarily the case. You have a really valid role, whether you are in the scrutiny committee or in the policy or in a leadership role. Um, so for us, we provide really comprehensive training and we continue that throughout the whole four years. And we work really closely with uh, the LGA and others to make sure that everybody uh, gets the appropriate training that they require. Um, we also, uh, and when I was first elected, I didn't know this, um, but also, you know, councillors do get an allowance um, because I think we all appreciate, you know, for quite a lot of people, they work, they have other commitments. Uh, so the allowance will effectively cover your costs in terms of what you do as a councillor, uh, as well as your mileage claims uh, as well. Um, and like most councillors, you know, we provide mentors, uh, we provide buddies in terms of the senior officers. So it is really comprehensive. So you're not chucked in at the deep end um, and you'll have that for the whole of your term of office which, in whichever organisation you go to. I think, you know, for anybody interested in being a councillor, I would strongly recommend you put yourself forward. It is the most fulfilling thing you can do. And I've got no regrets of going to local government. Um, I've now nearly done three terms and I'm up again for election next year. Um, and it's continual development. You know, I've learned so much along the journey, not just about the council, but also about me as an individual uh, and the opportunities that come through working in local government. And you meet some amazing people as well. So don't have any regrets and, and do put yourself forward. As Councillor Cook clearly highlighted, not only do councillors help their community through the decisions that they make, councillors also get a lot back from the role personally developing career ambitions through training, mentoring and working with a range of people and businesses. Speaking to all four councillors, I realise how varied the role of a councillor can be and how important it is for councillors to reflect the diversity of the community that they serve. Although each councillor has a different story and are from different political parties, the thing that unites them is their passion for the local area. The main thing I've taken away from the discussions is that anyone can stand for election and anyone can become a councillor. It's important that everyone's voice in the community is heard and that we have representatives in the councils that do just that. 
If you're interested in becoming a counsellor and have questions about the role or know someone who'd be the perfect fit, recommend them and head to the LGA's Be A Counsellor website where you can find FAQs and resources to help start that journey. Even if you aren't considering the role of a counsellor, your role in local politics is still hugely important. You can help shape the way your community looks by voting for councillors who represent your interests in the upcoming local elections on the 5th of May. It's vital everyone has a say about their local area. Until next time, I'm Sophie, and I hope this has helped you to forget what you think you know about councillors.